Beyond lay the River Esk, forming the inner harbour upriver from the bridge that connected the east and west sides of the town. Arthur walked slowly in the direction of the bridge. People flowed around him, noise rang out. The buzz of conversation was overlaid by shouted greetings, mothers chiding their infants, urchins yelling in chase, hammers and saws sounding from the shipbuilding yards, ropes and timbers creaking as ships moved with the sway of the water. Overhead came the screech of seagulls, floating on air currents, ready to swoop down on a tasty morsel. Arthur lovingly absorbed it all. He was back. He turned up short, steep, golden lion bank that led into Flower Gate where the slope was not so testing. He had no need to rush, but he did not want to delay, for there was a purpose to this visit. He turned into Skinner Street, then into Wellclose Square. His steps slowed as he viewed the elegant Georgian houses until he came to a halt and silently contemplated a brick house of three bays and three stories. The doorway, with its arched fanlight, had a case of Doric columns. The eight tall sash windows each had twelve panes and plain lintels. These, along with the stonework running its full height at each corner of the building, relieved what would otherwise have been a severe frontage. But Arthur had never regarded it as severe. To him, this house had always been welcoming, both without and within. He tightened his lips, fighting the sadness that threatened to envelop him. He wondered... Who lived here now, and if they loved the house as he had done? He laid his hand on the gate, tempted to push it open and engage the current occupants in conversation, but he got no further than that. There were some places best left unvisited, for fear of reawakening old sadnesses. He turned away and walked slowly back to Skinner Street. He paused at the corner, and for a moment eyed the building opposite. Why not, he muttered to himself, crossing the road and climbing the stairs to the tea room above Botham's shop that sold the wonderful breads, cakes and pies that came out of their bakehouse. When he entered the tea room, his eyes immediately searched out a particular table, and his heart gave a little leap of pleasure when he saw that it was empty. But when he sat down and faced the empty chair opposite, he wondered if he'd been right to come here. Then pleasant memories took over, and for the next half hour he enjoyed the refreshments and recollected happier times spent at this table. Back on the street, he retraced his steps along Skinner Street, Flower Gate and Golden Lion Bank to the bustling riverside. He made his way slowly along St Anne's Staith, through Haggersgate to Pier Road, which he'd known as the Key, recalling past visits to the Whitby Subscription Library and to the museum housed in the same building. He kept pausing to cast his eyes over the cobbles moored alongside the Key. He watched, intrigued by a fisherman inspecting the set of his sail in one of the cobbles. Across the river, two more were drawn up on the beach at Collier Hope, where clothes had been laid out to dry on the shingle by housewives living on Tate Hill, an area close to Henrietta Street and the bottom of the church stairs, which led up the cliff to the old Norman church of St. Mary. 
All around him, the life of the port went on as it must have done throughout his twenty-one years of absence. Housewives and their daughters, dressed in the same fashion, with scarves tied over hair, neatly parted in the middle, ankle-length dresses, plain or frilled at the bottom, covered at the front by white aprons, gathered round a bearded fisherman, whose waistcoat hung loosely over his thick gansey, hoping to get a tasty meal from the fish he'd just brought ashore. Arthur watched the haggling for a few minutes, and then moved on towards the West Pier. So much life around him. Young women sitting on the quayside, laughing at the gossip and tittle-tattle that passed between them as they knitted a shawl, scarf or jumper, or idly watched a child adjust the sail on his toy boat. A man and a woman intent on mending nets did not notice Arthur pass as he moved on to the West Pier. Across the river, the East Pier ran from the foot of the cliffs towards the West Pier.